Hello, may I welcome you to episode 66 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second or fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover how my guest began within the industry, working for removal companies in West Yorkshire before setting up on his own 12 years ago. We discuss his challenges, what he would change from his moving past, his high points, what changes he would make to the industry, the advice he would give starting out again, his industry predictions for the next five years, and what he does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end moving matters with a funny moving story regarding an email of complaint. My guest this episode is Paul Taylor, Managing Director of White Rose Removals, and you'd better get the tissues ready to wipe the laughter tears from your eyes. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Paul. Welcome to Moving Matters. How are you this afternoon? I'm very well, Colin. I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Can you tell everybody about yourself and the length of time within the industry? <laughs> this sounds like the bit where I say I'm Paul Taylor and I'm a recovering alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're not. <laughs> um, I am Paul Taylor. I own White Rose Removals in Leeds. I've probably owned White Rose now for just over 12 years, maybe more. Before that, I've worked for some other movers around West Yorkshire. Pretty much, I'd say I'd left school at 16, Colin, and I'd, I've done all sorts of jobs, mate. Honestly, I've done, I've worked in call centres, I've laboured on building sites, I've done loads of dead-end jobs. And then I think, um, <laughs> I was going to say that I did the biggest dead-end job of them all and became a removal man. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I started working for a couple of companies and I quite like the lifestyle and the madness really, especially when you're younger, like it was pretty cool, you know, like you're going here, there, everywhere, you're dealing with loads of nutcases every day and you're thinking this is great, <laughs> is this? And then 12 odd years ago, I settled White Rose Removals, I sold my car, my dad lent me a bit of money, I got a Sprinter van and the Sprinter van I refused to get rid of even though my wife says that it's one of the most disgusting things that she's ever seen, but I still have it pride and place in our yard, just to remind really? everybody. Yeah, yeah, Colin, I love it. It's um, it's done about 200,000 miles now. Typical sprinter rust, absolutely covered in rust. But yeah, I still use it. I go out packing jobs with it, dirty jobs. We still use it for transshipping as well. So it's clearly got sentimental value to you then? Well, the other thing is as well, Colin, like, if you try to get rid of a wreck like that, I mean, I'd probably get a grand cash for it. Oh, Alan Beveridge would probably do it up for you. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> turn it into a motorhome or something with Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where I just think, well, it served me well for so long. Like, I don't want it to go to the scrapyard. I'd just rather it yeah, – I know it's not aesthetically pleasing anymore, but it serves a purpose and we never have a problem with it. And I just think, bugger it, I'm going to keep it just to remind myself of where I was 12 years ago. Wow. So how did you get started in the industry then? What made you start White Rose Removals? You said that you worked for others before that. Yeah, so... That was other removal companies, yeah? 
Yeah, so I've worked for a couple of other companies, smaller companies. One of them's died now. But, yeah, it was just like one of those things, Colin. Like, I used to do all sorts of jobs, mate. Like, it was one of those things. And you've got to remember as well that when I left school, we were in the middle of the recession, credit crunch, 2006, 2007. Right. For somebody that probably left school with not the greatest of educations, I wasn't particularly academic. I didn't get loads of massive grades or anything like that. I did all sorts of jobs. And then one day my mate told me about company looking for somebody. So I went there, wasn't afraid of a bit of graft. And um, yeah, it was, just, it was just a bit of madness. Colin, like, honestly, like, you know, you look back and you just think it's crazy, this job, isn't it? And, and, you, <laughs> and, and, and you think, I even can't believe people pay you to move their shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I still think that now, Colin, when I go out on quotes. I look at people and I go, I can't believe you're going to pay me to move this shy. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think the reason I set up White Rose was, I don't know, mate, I always thought that it's probably a bit more to life, you know, make a bit of money. And um, I saw that I'd learned some things and I thought, you know what, I could make some money here. And um, I suppose most of your 65 podcasts have probably said something similar. And yeah, that was me. And then it just sort of progressed. I mean, White Rose originally, mate, I mean, we were we were like your proper typical, you know, the type of people me and you were talking about earlier. <laughs> Everything was for cash. Your life was mental. You're working seven days a week. Somebody says, I want to go move 500 foot to Shetland Islands on a Friday night at seven o'clock. You go, I'll go move it on Friday night at seven o'clock. <laughs> I've had a couple of beers and stuff and chips in the local first. No, don't worry about it. I love me. That'll drive through night. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it up. Oh, dear. And then I suppose I took my transport CPC, which I was quite proud about because I actually passed it first time. Cool. And then um, you were like, oh, bloody hell, so I'll get a truck. And then I bought my uh, I bought my first truck, which was an XY Scania. And mm. um, that... That was horrendous, I call it. But looking back, like it was ace at the time. But I think I paid like five, six grand for that. And at the time, that was like a huge investment, that Colin. You know, like putting your hand on five grand to pay for a truck. But it's not a lot of money for a truck, though, is it, at the end of the day? When you think no. about it, oh, no, in the grand scheme of things. It's madness. And then, like, it, you know, you probably saw it last year, you know, what people were putting Euro 4, Euro 5 trucks up for in the stamp duty holiday. Yeah. Whereas whites, they just wanted rid of their old stock and get rid of them. I suppose all the companies were doing that. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I got this old whites truck for like five, six grand. And then, I don't know really, mate. I think, um, I suppose this is probably going to answer one of your other questions as well. But my wife coming was a big part of my business. My wife was, when I met her, she was a buyer at Morrison's head office in Bradford. Right. So she's a, she's a well-educated woman is my last. She's, she was a qualified accountant. And um, I met her in a pub, as you do. <laughs> she clapped eyes on me and she thought, bloody hell, he's a good-looking fella. <laughs> Quick, get her a baby sham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> baby sham. <laughs> Colin, you've got a few years on me, mate. We, we, won't bring, we, won't, we won't drinking baby sham then, mate. And um, yeah, mate, so like when she was at Morrison's, she was sort of falling out of love with Job. And then I once said, like, you know, why do you, me and you work together? And then it was mental, like like a whirlwind. So she comes and works for White Rose. 
She just professionalised everything. So, like, I book my appointments on back of a fag packet. And I, I honestly can't. And I forget where I'm going. So I'll be out on a job, similar to what me and you were talking about earlier. So you're out on a job, grafting your bollocks off all day. And then, and then somebody's calling you saying you were supposed to be in at 2 o'clock. And I'm fucking thinking, oh, f- I forgot about that one again. But, yeah, I mean, like, she just changed a lot of things to do with business, mate. And um, ever since, we've just been growing, growing and growing. So she runs the office and the account side of it? She runs the show, Colin, I won't lie. I'm just a pretty face, me. You're the pin-up. I'm the pin-up for white <laughs> Russian movables. <laughs> <laughs> but my six-pack days are well gone, Colin. <laughs> oh, so can you tell everybody about White Rose Removals and the services it offers? How many vehicles are you running and do you do storage and all that sort of stuff? Yep. So we are based inside GB Liners Leeds. Right. So we share a warehouse with GBs. They do all my storage. So basically we'll pay them X amount of container. I'd say, Colin, 80% of what we do is domestic moving and packing. Yeah. As well as the storage, obviously. Which, to be fair, they're all linked, are they, really? You know, yeah, yeah. Storage, yeah. storage and removals, they always go hand in hand. Because we're based quite close to Leeds City Centre, commercial work is still a big part of what we do. So we still do a lot of office moving every year. Shipping and stuff, I suppose because I've got quite a good relationship with GB Liners, that is their forte. And if I can pass a job on to them and everyone makes a bit of money, everyone's happy, are they? But yeah. those guys downstairs, Europe and shipping, they are good at what they do. They yeah. know it. So I don't really tend to get involved in that stuff. And I also think that there's probably easier ways to make a living. So, But yeah, I mean, in terms of my fleet size, currently run three HGVs, soon to be four. And I have one, two, five, three and a half ton. Yeah, five, three and a half ton, including my battered old sprinter. Can I include <laughs> Can I include that one? Absolutely. Will you let me have that one? My claim to fame. I, I will. Your wife won't, but I will. She thinks it's disgusting, Colin, honestly. <laughs> she, she she can't stand it. She says, so like when we, you know, like when we put something up on like Facebook or Instagram and stuff, she says, she texts all lads and she says, do not dare send a photo <laughs> of that sprinter outside a customer's house. <laughs> Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. So what's the size of your labour force then? So this might be an interesting one for you, really, Colin, but probably six to seven full-timers. But some of them, well, I'd say one might be part-time-ish. But then I've got, we've got quite a lot of self-employed lads as well, Colin. Right. And the self-employed lads, I mean, three or four of them in particular, you know, they're running their own businesses. You know, they're doing their own yeah. thing. Yeah. But they come work for us. One of them, though, without probably incriminating myself with HMRC, <laughs> he, he, he used to own his own business for years, mate. He sold up. And um, he's a great fella. He's, he's in his 60s. He, he spends half of his year abroad. But when he is back, where he's go to company, he just wants to work with us and he loves being here. But he's a massive part of the business as well, though, Colin, and I, I suppose I could probably mention that later on, but I, I'm very fortunate that I have actually got some some great people that work around us every day, Yeah, good experienced people that... That have been with you for a long time as well? Been here for ages, and they love they love White Rose just as much as me and Hannah love White Rose. Yeah, They are part of my family, 
And to be fair, one of them is my cousin. So I suppose he is part of the family. But I think there's, there's always been this bit of an ethos and it, it's been there for years now where the more successful we are as a business, the more successful I want them to be. So like whether it's financially or development or just to try put more into them as well. Yeah. And, you know, you say thank you. And I know it sounds a bit like you're running a co-op, but it doesn't mean that they're taking a share of my profits and what we're making. And But they feel that every year they think, well, I feel rewarded. I feel like I like working here. And I think that I hope, I'd like to hope that every business owner should feel that same satisfaction. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. You know where you think, you know what? Isn't it great that I've had lads working for me for 10 years, eight years, five years? And to be fair to GBs, mate, I mean, some of the lads he's had working in the same building, I mean, yeah. they've been here for decades. And I think, you know what, that's, it's pretty cool, is that, isn't it? You know, when somebody thinks, I'll, I'll give my whole working life to you. Well, yeah, because if you're investing in them, then they clearly enjoy what they do. They're going to stay with you. It's those companies that aren't prepared to put the investment and the time and the effort in that are turning over staff left, right and centre. Those groups that we were talking about, Colin, earlier, I mean, they're full of fellas bemoaning staff. Yep. But I can't say a few years ago, maybe when I was first starting out, you always had your, your battles. But, you know, probably over the last five, six years, mate, I can't say that I have those problems. Most of the people around me, they're good people. And yeah, yeah you'll always have your bad egg. That They see their working life as it's not what they can do for you, it's what they can get out of you. Yeah. You know, it's what they're going to get out of this. And they'll bounce around from company to company and, oh, well, I've got my class two now, so if that company over there is going to pay me 50p more an hour, I'll just jump ship and go to them. And, you know, those type of people in life, Colin, that yeah. they do that everywhere. Then they'll just carry on doing that till the day that they die. But, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I, I think the more you can put into your staff, to be honest, it'll probably go on to one of your later questions about how good it'll be for the industry. Yeah. You know, if everyone makes a sort of more conscious effort to make the industry a bit more attractive, pay people better, give them a good standard of living, try get everyone to work nine-hour days instead of 12, 13, 14-hour days, give them some normality as well so it isn't seen as such an unattractive industry. Well, we'll come back to that question shortly. I have one question regarding what you said a moment ago. Mm-hmm. So your, all of your storage is in GB Liners. Have you ever wanted to have your own warehouse? I used to. I used to have another place in Leeds. And then it was a lot of hard work. Yeah. Calling honestly. And then a lot of stress. You got all your health and safety, your forklifts. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, it's it's never going to happen. One day I might go back and look at doing it again. But particularly, I'm a Leeds lad. I'm born and raised here. My lads are all Leeds lads. You know, my business, I, I take a lot of pride in the city of Leeds. Obviously, being a big Leeds United fan as well, Colin, but we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> no, we'll talk about that towards the end, trust me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but the city, mate, I mean, the price of real estate in the city of Leeds is astronomical. And some particularly what I call like generational movers, you know, your old family movers. Yeah. They might have bought some land in the 60s or 70s when Leeds was a totally different place. And they've, they've managed to sort of reap the rewards of that. Got a warehouse full of storage and it's a great position to be in. Whereas when I did it, 
it was like a noose around my neck because you constantly like you need to fill the place and to count the rates and the cost of getting somewhere just to rent in Leeds is crazy. And then your only other option is is that I have to put myself in a position where I literally live six minutes from this depot. I could move away the business and put it in deepest, darkest Dewsbury or yeah. somewhere south of Leeds, out into the old mining towns, sticks, you know, places like that. But then I'd have to change my whole life for my lads because the price of the building's a lot cheaper. But then I'd have to relocate and my lads would have to relocate. They'd have to travel further and, yeah. So it's like you, 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 you're stuck in this, like, business mind of, is it worth it? But then I've got such a good relationship with other movers around West Yorkshire. So, like, Pickers Gills, I don't know. Have you, have you had Kieran on here before, Colin? We've had Kieran on as the young movers, and I'm sure I can yeah. get Kieran on on his own one day. So, like, if I'm doing, if I'm doing, <laughs> go on, Kieran, get on it. Get on it, Kieran. <laughs> so, like, if I'm doing jobs particularly over, like, his side of yeah. the world, I can jump in on Kieran's place, McCarthy's. don't know if yeah. you've ever had Mike McCarthy on here, Colin, but. Certain jobs I'll just put straight into McCarthy's because it's easier, you know, for the logistics. And I'm happy with rates that I get, and I make my bit on top. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, what challenges have you had to overcome then, Paul? In every day, a challenge, Colin. Well, it is, most definitely. Uh, But it's one that we should look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. I like that. Life would be a bit boring if it was the same thing over and over again. Day after day. Thinking challenges. There's so many, isn't there, when you think about it, you know, the the teething pains of growing a business. I mean... Well, what were they? I was skint for years, me, Colin. Skint, like, I feel sometimes I I feel like um, some pity for my eldest daughter because um, financially, when I was raising her, I was nowhere near in the same position that I am in now. Whereas my newest daughter... She's accustomed to a certain standard of living. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I say to people, like, I would proper skin mate, for years. And people think, because I'm 33 now, and I think most of my 20s, I were, and I suppose a lot of fellas in their 20s are on their arse, but I was, I was skin most of the time. I suppose everyone goes through that, actually. It doesn't matter how old you are or what you're doing. But, yeah, yeah I suppose yeah. being skin, trying to, professionalize yourself and make yourself stand out differently to other movers similar to what we were talking about that you you've got your your names you know your names that everyone knows of so particularly like yeah. in leeds it would have been mccarthy's been around since the 60s you've got your pickfords yeah. you know what we were talking about earlier everyone knows pickfords and then you're trying to make a name for yourself and tell everybody well we're a good company you know we can do the same stuff so you go through that. Yeah. I don't know what else, Colin. You've tried to establish your business in 12 years. I think you've done damn well in 12 years to go to four HGVs in your five, three and a half tons. And, you know, your crew and you've got your storage. I think so, Col. Cheers, matey. Pat me on back, mate. I'll get the blue Peter badge. <laughs> go on. Doing all right here, aren't we? Doing all right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think so, mate. But you said you, you were trying to stand out from other companies and that. You are a yeah. BAR member. 
Ooh. Does that help at all? Yeah, massively, mate. I'm I'm a big champion of the BAR. Massive fan. I t- I tell you what, one of your questions is going to be about high points. When I got my accreditation for the BAR, I was super chuffed, mate. I think I must have been late 20s, maybe, somewhere thereabouts. But why would you join the BAR? I think um, particularly at the time, or how I felt it, not only am I five foot seven, so I've got small band syndrome. <laughs> so I've always <laughs> off at the world, you see, Colin. And, I, and I've got a little knob. <laughs> but I think um, it, it was like, I think sometimes people, people lie to themselves because my experience going out and seeing people and seeing jobs, particularly proper jobs, we're talking your nice homes, lovely gear, yeah. packing. If I went out and quoted, let's say, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and they're getting the obligatory three or four quotes, you come up and there's me, there's McCarthy's, GB Liners, Pickford's, unless, unless I was willing to sacrifice my margin and undercut them massively, they would straight me off for not being in the BAR. Mm, okay. This is what this is what I used to feel like years ago. That people's feedback was like a lot of people, and I don't know particularly if it was because that's how the sales staff were trained, but they used to say things like, "Well, why aren't you a member of the BAR?" So then I used to read these removals groups, and I used to say, I used to say the exact same things that the other people say to themselves, you know, saying, "Well." You know, we just never felt it was worth it. And, you know, you've got to pay to be a part of that club. But really, in the grand scheme of things, mate, it was like, it's because you've not been invited to join the club and, you you know, you've not been accredited. Yeah. And in the customer's eyes, unless you were willing to lowball the job and undercut the BAR movers, then as a like-for-like proposition, they'd be like, hmm, yeah, I'd probably go with one of these guys. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So if you could change anything from your moving past, what would it be? My moving past? I would probably say getting your pricing right, and you should have done it years ago. You look back now at what you did, and you think, why was I pricing such shit money? Like, you know, I could have just changed that years ago. But, you you know, when you first start out and you think, well, you, you want to try and make a name or, get yourself noticed, so you're just running around doing jobs for bugger all. And there's a lot of guys, I hope, that listen to this and they could probably relate to it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I, I think that are probably the biggest thing that I should have changed. You know, like, looking back, I could have sorted that ages ago. But I think a big part of it is having confidence in yourself and having confidence in your business. No, most definitely. I know what I'm on about. My lads know what they're on about. I've got the vehicles to do what I'm on about. We've got the knowledge, we've got the skills, the experience, and this is why it costs X amount of money. Problem is, though, is that probably accounts for a small proportion of the moving industry. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that they still, even though they, even though some of them are time served, you know, they've been doing it for years, they still don't really have a clue what they're doing, but they're just making a living, a bit of pin money. You know, they're just surviving, really. And that's the problem, isn't it? They're surviving from week to week rather than building up a business. I think so. I think as well, local, it's a bit sad, really, because I, I know guys, mate, that have broken their bodies. You know, their bodies are in pieces. Yeah. Done 20, 30 years of this, and they haven't really got out to show for it. 
And I'm thinking, nah, a bit of a shit way to have lived your life. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm talking guys I know in the removals industry, lovely stand-up fellas call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decent people. And you think, after all them years, that's that's what you've got for it. You know, some people, though, in life calling might not be for them, mightn't it, mate? Some people, they're quite happy. But then I, I do think that probably looking back at the life, they'd have thought, well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been great if I could have got a few more vehicles and I could have made a bit more money or... Exactly, or literally get to a stage where you're then employing people to do the hard work and reaping the rewards for that. Instead of crippling yourself. You're then not damaging your body. I know fellas in their 50s, 60s still doing it, Colin, with knee replacements, and their lives are just miserable. Unreal, unreal. It's depressing, isn't it? But it might be me that soon, Colin. It depends what happens with mortgages, mate. I might be doing that. Tell our lass, <laughs> it's all over, love. You'll get, you'll get back to Morrison's, get a job. so what is your high point of being in the industry you mentioned the bar yeah that was a bit that was a high point you didn't offer any input on that what i said though colin which i was surprised about i thought you were going to say something about the bar no no not at all because i know i know the bar does like to get people's backs up so I, i was surprised i thought you were going to say something no, I am a big fan of the BAR, and I noticed, obviously, that you are a bar member, and I do know that a lot of people over the podcast that have joined the BAR have said that it has definitely helped their business. Yeah. I know there's other associations out there, but the BAR is the main one, as far as I'm concerned. I've also got my uh, BAR inspection in a couple of weeks, mate, so that's why I've said what I said, so just remember <laughs> that. Um, they're coming to see me, so I'll just refer them to uh, the Moving Matters podcast and say, did you hear what I said? <laughs> I suppose my other high points, stamp duty holiday, or is that too, is that nasty to say? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it was great, mate. Like any anybody who's involved in this industry since COVID, if they weren't having a great time this last couple of years, I feel sorry for them. I really do. I, I have to agree with you, Paul. And if they weren't making any decent money, they shouldn't be in the industry. Yeah, I mean, even Alan Beveridge were making money, Colin, and, we, <laughs> and he, he's, he's never making money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He did a few trucks up. <laughs> <laughs> but but honestly, like, I, I think, he, how are you not living your best life for two exactly. years? And I know guys that were were oblivious to it, Colin. They just carried on doing the same thing and they just thought like, oh, well, it, it were quite busy. But, and I'm thinking, oh, are you serious? Like, are you, did you not reap those benefits of what was going on? Well, exactly, because you would have been that busy, you needed to then build up your reserves for the quiet time that we're going through at the moment. Exactly. High points, probably that, mate, joining the BAR. Every time I get a new truck and I name it after a woman in my life, Colin, that's a high point. <laughs> I, I love it. I, <laughs> oh, the problem is, though, mate, is that most of the women in my life hate me now, so I'm running out of girls' names. <laughs> <laughs> you probably noticed that I've had to uh, rename one of my trucks The Wife. <laughs> because I've called one of them Ham, and I ran out of that many ideas. I thought, I tell you what, I'll call it the wife. So that was my that was my compliment to her that I've named another truck after you. Then I have to ask the question: What's the name of the Sprinter? We've never named that one, Colin. <laughs> now that that's bad, isn't it? And it's because it's because I was thinking, how could I say to like my aunties, my sisters, my kids, I named that van after you. 
It'd be the most offensive oh, thing oh, ever, oh, wouldn't it? You know, say, look how look how disgusting that van is. Look how much <laughs> rust that is covered in, and I've named it after you. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so what one thing would you change in the moving industry? I've listened to your podcast, Colin, and I think it's a tough one, is this, because it'll sound quite repetitive, but I definitely do think that if I had it my way, I'm not necessarily saying the BAR, but I would hope that one day there could be some sort of government accreditation or association or a body or a transport licensing authority where everyone in our industry has to move towards something like that, where you, you're registered, you have to show that you've got the skills, the fleet, the materials, the equipment. This is what I do for a living. I am Mr. Removal Man, and I'm registered with government. Everyone knows me. I can ply my trade. And I think that that would maybe one day, hopefully, just sort of make it a bit more professional, mate. Everyone's got a bit more respect for it. Everyone knows about it. And I know I know, I know, all them removals groups, mate, everyone talks about the same thing. But I do think one day that could be like your dream. Everyone has to sign up to it. If you're going to be part of the industry and do what this job, you have to sign up to it. Otherwise, you have to back out and you just get known as a delivery man or someone or a transporter. You can't tell people you're a removal man. Does that make sense? And you know, like you're saying to people, like I, I know guys that they get reviews on Google and they're moving sofas around council estates for ten, twenty quid. Yeah. yeah. But then you go on the website and they're telling people they're professional house movers as well. Yeah. And these guys are going to court in jobs and customers says, well, he says he's a professional house mover. It's like, well, it's a bit different to moving a sofa around an estate, isn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> or a mattress for somebody that you bought <laughs> and it's covered in stains. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that'd be like, that'd be a good thing for me, Colin. And I don't know if the BAR could, I suppose the BAR have probably been talking about that for generations, haven't they? Wouldn't it be great if we could do this? But, probably to the public though, mate. As you say, it's been mentioned on the podcast several times. I'm not sure if it will ever get there. No. They'd also have to be a bit of like um, a join, you know, for the industry itself. Yeah. And I think that the industry is quite a divisive industry. Yeah. You know, I think that I like to think I'm the easiest going fella you'll ever meet. I last won't say that, but I, I like to think I am. <laughs> and um, I, I'd rather have friends than enemies. But then I know people that would gladly rather have enemies than friends. And they see that running in a cutthroat industry, they thrive in that and they would gladly undercut somebody. Yeah. And they'll hate on them over removals. And yeah, I think, yeah. why, why, why could you be arsed living your life like that? No, it just blows my mind. So, yeah, I can't imagine the industry will ever because people doing their own things, aren't they? And you can't tell people unless the government got involved. But you can't tell people this is how you're supposed to run your business and how you're supposed to live your life. Trouble is then, it's how you differentiate between a delivery van and a man and a van and a removal. I mean, who's going to get involved and, and start checking vehicles? <laughs> Could be you, Colin. Could be our new job. Oh, no, thanks. I stroke a keyboard. I'm not doing anything that's harder than that. <laughs> 60,000 visits a year, knocking on doors. No, thank you. Follow, following them out on jobs, say so. 
well, there's actually too many in your vans, so we're going to have to move you from the man and van criteria because that's only supposed to be one individual. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you give yourself just starting out in the industry again i probably mentioned that one a little bit earlier on with the moving past yeah but i think professionalize everything and charge more money go and charge more money people are too shy and i think it's a british thing that you know i think it's a very british way of thinking that people think ah well They'll go into old people's homes, lovely stunning houses, and they'll go, yeah, but she's a little old woman, isn't she? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do something super cheap. And I think there's that, just that British culture of politeness, and, but just charge more money because that's the only way you're going to grow your business. Well, Robert Bartup did say on his episode, the customer doesn't know the price until you give it to them. Yeah, I, I probably agree with Mr Bartup. And I think the other thing that I'd, um, really frustrates me is... How many people think they know what things cost? Yeah. Particularly in this industry, and I think that's where there's a lack of respect towards it. Because, you know, my old man, he's in his 70s. He thinks that everyone's still earning 50 quid a day. and Gone down in recent years. (laughs) 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 He thinks everyone's just on 50 quid. And I'm like, honestly, Dad, it don't work like that anymore. And he's like, he'd be the type of fella if you came and looked at his house move. Or his flat move. He lives in a flat in Wake, he does, my dad. He'd be the type of fellow that if you went into him and he's probably got second floor apartment, seven, eight hundred cube. If you walked into there and you said to my dad, Mr. Taylor, I'm going to want seven, eight hundred quid plus that to move your house. <laughs> he'd say, What are you f-ing on about? <laughs> it's it. Two men cost fifty quid each a day. <laughs> Do you think I were born yesterday? At least Dick Turpin wore a mask. <laughs> and he say, "I don't want to take food out of a working man's mouth." But as far as I'm concerned, it's two fifty. <laughs> but you know, like there's those people, mate, where you just listen to them and you're like, "Wow!" Like, how did you get that in your head? But then. The industry, you'll see people that they'll move towards that as well. And it's like they quote, not based on what they need or want for the job. It's what they think the customer's going to pay them. So maybe we need to look at the way removals are costed a little bit more because people don't even put their packing materials in costings these days. I've come across many companies that don't charge for packing materials. It just comes out of their overheads. Their overheads must be massive. Why not charge customers for the box? If you get the box back, great, it quits in. It's crazy, isn't it, Colin, honestly? And I think um, with those guys, there's so many people that do that and they think, well, at least I'll get the job. But then in the long term, it's like, mm, was that really the right thing to do? Just giving people a load of free stuff? Well, you can only do that for so long, though, can't you? Because at the end of the day, you're going to end up with not having any money to buy the packing materials in the first place. I can't remember if it was Nigel Shaw or Richard Webster you had on. And I think they talked about the exact same thing to do with costing. Yeah. I don't know, but there was definitely somebody that raised such a valid point to do with costing. You know, if you if you sit down with a simple removal man like me and you say, right, this is what your men cost. Yeah, I think it was Richard. These are what your materials are going to cost. I think it was Richard. Yeah. And I reckon there is probably a huge proportion of removal zoners that don't really have that much of a, an idea. They're doing what I were probably doing 10 years ago where you're just running your business on the back of a fag packet. 
and a customer says, can I have some free boxes? And you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I've used this one about 15 times, love. You can have that one. <laughs> you know, but every, everything everything comes at a cost, doesn't it? And you don't you don't realise that you're just running around like mad people for nothing. Exactly. And, and also these waivers that we offer people, I've said it to several clients over the last few years, these waivers, if you've got a client that wants a deal, don't drop your price. Give them a waiver. The waivers are gambles yeah. at the end of the day. So the waiver may not actually be needed, but if you give that to a client, they've got this perceived perception that you've done a deal. But you've not dropped your price, therefore you've kept your margins really high. And the human psyche is, Colin, that that's what the customer wants, isn't it? You know, they want to feel like they've got something. And, you know, I do that all the time with, with waivers and stuff. And you think, you know what? You know, I'll give you that. And people yeah. think, oh, bloody hell, isn't he a lovely fella in? Yep. He's just giving me this non-imaginary cancellation waiver. Yep. What a great yep. geezer, Paul is. And it's much better, mate, than knocking 10 20% off your, off your price <laughs> and then seeing to him well. And then you think you Exactly, because you might not even get the waiver. So then you've lost the waiver anyway, and you've just done the job for less money. Exactly. It, does, it doesn't make any sense. Stick to your prices, guys. Stick to your prices and, and price Go on, correctly. Colin. Champion it. Champion <laughs> Go on, get him told, get him told. Yeah, I wish. So where do you see yourself in the industry in the next five years? Let's deal with yourself. What is Paul Taylor and White Rose Removals? Where are they going to be in five years? I hope we're still running. That'd be a good start, wouldn't it? I hope we're still here. (laughs) I thought you were going to say you were going to be in Tenerife. Well, I was just about to say that as well. Hopefully Hopefully I'm somewhere warm. Not his sunny leads. I say that though, but I'd misleads too much, me, Colin. I'm, I'm a right home bird, me. But yeah, I think hopefully, you know, expanding. One thing I'd probably like to see maybe in the next five to 10 years in the long term is more so that my wife can take the chilled back seat now and she can spend more time with kids and do whatever. Then again, though, she only works like three day weeks nowadays. But oh, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like, I'd, I'd like to see it go down to a. a listen a, to this. Yeah, she'll love this. But I'd like to see it go down to a zero day week for her, Colin, because I love my wife that much that I'd like her put her feet up, house in Tenerife, husband's here slaving, slaving, Colin, <laughs> slaving. Oh, she's gonna love this bit. You know the other thing, Colin. I probably hope in five ten years is that I'm not doing as much maybe you know going out courting jobs all the time or doing my bit for the business i'd like i'd hope that i've got to a point where i can maybe put my feet up so both of you basically take a back seat yeah and somebody but then it's it's allowing yourself to trust in somebody that's the biggest problem is it because at the end of the day it doesn't matter then who you put in place to run the business it's still your name across the top of the door And me and Hannah have chatted about this loads. We we did try like um, a couple of years ago and it just created stress, mate. We had somebody else involved and it, it was just more stress. Like you felt you were just picking up pieces all the time. And I'd rather we just stuck to what we do at the minute. It's more of an easier life. And don't get me wrong, mate. I mean, our days of... I'm always in early because I like to see the lads. Yeah. Monday to Thursday, I get up half five see the lads, sort the jobs with them, just so that they also see that I'm still here and I can say to them, right, this is the job, this is the access, pull it up on Street View for them. You know, if there's anything I need yeah, to tell yeah. them, yeah. I know what I can tell them. 
obviously they've got their job sheets, but sometimes it's nice just to have a bit of a motivational chat with Paul Taylor on the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but, but don't get me wrong, though, Carl. I mean, night times and stuff, mate. I knock off, pick kids up from school. I do things like that that I never used to do, which is a positive to me. That's like... Yeah. And working weekends and stuff, mate, I don't do that anymore. Fridays I do in the office. So I feel like I'm... I'm already getting somewhere with that, you know, in terms of your work-life balance. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so where do you see the industry then? <laughs> Colin, you're older than me, mate, so I reckon this, everyone's said the exact same thing for five years' time, and I cannot – I think it'll be very similar. I really do. I don't think that the industry, outside of stamp duty, this industry will never change. I think the industry is – seriously cutthroat and I think that as long as there's no more wars the markets are settled everyone can keep making their little bit and doing their little bit and I think that's all we can ask for matey as long as we're all still making a little bit of money everyone's happy then aren't they well making money is the name of the game let's hope so matey let's hope so (laughs) (laughs) our last will be going back to Morrison's Colin in five years I promise you <laughs> oh dear. And it'll be me it'll be me living in Tenerife. <laughs> so what do you do outside the industry to switch off then, Paul? Oh, Colin, you've been waiting to ask me this one, haven't you? You love this one. I do, yeah. Leeds United, massive part of my life. Has been ever since I was a child, Colin. Probably the best thing that my dad introduced me to. So I spend a lot, I say a lot of time. I don't spend as much time as I used to, not with kids anyway. Season ticket holder, I take it. Home and away, Colin, home and away. But I probably don't do as many as aways I used to do. I think it's um, it's a massive part. It, it, it takes up a lot of your time. And it's it's also a massive drinking time, mate. And then, <laughs> <laughs> so Legion United is still a big part of my life, but I don't probably do that as much as I used to. But I still, every home game, I'll be there. Thanks. Yeah. I, only, I only live 10 minutes from Ellen Road, so I'm always there every home game. I've had the same season ticket since I was like eight year old. And I'm still, every, it's just all, all the men that used to sit around me with their kids, all the men now are all in their 70s. <laughs> and, and it's weird to look at them, you know, from when you remember them when you were being eight. And they're still there, sat there like my dad. Because <laughs> I still sit next to my dad. It's the only time every couple of weeks I'll see my dad. And I know that sounds really bad, doesn't it? Because he only lives in Wakefield. But when you're busy. But I always guarantee that I'll know that I'll go see my dad every couple of weeks and I'll see him at Ellen Road. Oh, brilliant. So I'll see Leeds United, Tenerife, which you've touched on. Love a trip to Tenerife. If our last had it her way, we'd probably go every month. But we'd probably bugger off Tenerife every two or three months. We'll just go out for a week and chill, which is good. I think it's good for your sanity as well, that. I think, yeah, I was going to say, you need time away from the business and, and a lot of people in this business don't have enough time away from it. I just hope, Colin, people are going to listen to my podcast and they're going to say, they're going to, they're going to have an epiphany. They're going to look and think, do you know what? That's what I've been missing. I need to go to Tenerife. That's what I should have been doing. <laughs> Anybody want some tips for going to Tenerife? Paul's your man. Yeah, TripAdvisor. Mr. Mr. Lonely Planet. <laughs> don't know anything else about the world just Tenerife <laughs> so Tenerife and that, to be honest guys spending time with my kids and my wife we're always doing stuff eating out seeing family doing your boring family stuff mate that actually it's, it's good stuff isn't it 
You have to do it. You have to, again, there's no point working your nuts off 24-7, seven days a week to not spend any time with the family. And I think I touched on that with one of your earlier questions with my eldest daughter, Colin. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah, yeah. I, I like to think I'm a, much, I'm a much better dad to her now than I was all them years ago because all I was doing was working. You're desperate. You've got like this one-trap mind about making money and you think, oh, well, yeah. I just work and work and work. And then you actually look back and you think, well, what was the point in that? You know, when you start working a bit smarter, you realise about the things that you should be doing. Yeah, yeah. And finally, I like to end my podcast with a funny moving story. <laughs> Do you have one or more to tell? And by the sounds of the laughter, I guess it's going to be a cracker. <laughs> Colin, I've been looking, I looked at this one the other week. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if you could, I don't know if people... <laughs> There was once a discussion on it, and uh, I suppose everyone's got funny stories, you know, like the batshit crazy customers, and you know, <laughs> everyone has got them though, haven't they? You know, the, oh, yeah, the crazy yeah. customer, couples splitting up, they're always a belter, aren't they? You know, where you've got a grieved ex wife smashing house up, husband, new wife, or, or the opposite way, you know, husband smashing house up and she's got a new fella. You know, I think over years, everyone's seen crazy stuff, haven't they? But is it, is it bad to talk about pooing? No, go for it. So one of the funniest things me and Alas can ever remember was when we got an email of complaint after a job where the lads had been on a keyway for hours, middle of nowhere, somewhere up in North Yorkshire somewhere, and they sat waiting and waiting and waiting, thinking, can't go to the toilet, can't go to the toilet. Lads are saying to one of the lads, saying, can't you just go outside? And he's like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. He said, I need, to, I, need, I need a toilet. So finally, customers rocked up, half three-ish, or whatever it was. And he ran straight through the door, come into the hallway, first room on your right, downstairs, Lou. <laughs> he's, then, he's then emptied his bowels. <laughs> and the customer had to take his wife to bed. To let her have a lie down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny this going, because even even my wife, like, she finds this funny. He had to put his wife to bed because she thought the smell were atrocious. <laughs> we we then got an email of complaint about what this lad had done. Oh and it is it's God. it's actually folklore at White Rose Mills because everyone he's, he's actually left us now. He's gone on. He he moved on a few years ago, but the story is like it's the Christmas story. You know, everyone <laughs> the older lads will say, "Do you remember that time that such and such <laughs> took a shit?" I didn't name I didn't name his name, and he said, "Do you remember that time he took a shit in that customer's house?" And they actually complained to the office. And it, it, the email card, I think we ended up having to delete a load of emails out of our inboxes. Just to clear them up one time, I think our IT guys were tidying them up. And I was devastated when I realised they deleted the letter of complaint and I'd never put it into a special folder, you know, where it could be saved, you know, so you could pass it down to future generations. But it was, it was literally like, it was literally a good five, six liner oh, talking about how distressing it was for his wife, how such a special occasion had been spoiled, the, the, the giggles. The, he thought the giggles from the men were totally inappropriate. It was ace calling, honestly. It was like it was like a proper point of view oh, job. Dear. He was fuming, and I I just couldn't stop laughing. And it was like, how do you, how would you deal with this? 
Like, because it's something that naturally anybody needs to do, isn't it? But how do I tell this to well, him? The customer held the guys up. They made them wait. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, mate, that's probably... Yeah, and then you've got all your batshit crazy people calling back. There were too many. Star- I said to I said to Han, I said if I if I go through that, I'd be here till next bank holiday, <laughs> wouldn't I? You know, talking about the madness that goes on in this industry every day. It's the madness and it's the fun. It's what keeps us doing it, though. You know, Colin. I, I chat with my cousin, Absolutely. and he he says he loves it. Every week, there's always some madness going on, and summer changes. <laughs> you know, where you look back and you think, wow. Yeah, like I can't even believe I've seen that. No, it's a it's a great great industry, fantastic industry, full of some good people as well, Colin. Full of some yeah. good people, absolutely. Well, Paul, thank you very much for giving up your time this afternoon to record an episode of Moving Matters with me. I truly appreciate it. <laughs> Cheers, Colin. Thanks a lot, mate. Loved it. No problem whatsoever. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 66 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Paul Taylor of White Rose Removals for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Paul. If you would like to know more about White Rose Removals and the services they provide, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. If you are also attending the BAR conference in Brighton during May, then please do come and introduce yourself to me. I would love to know your thoughts on the podcast and I may even buy you a beer. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me, so until next time, keep moving.